You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 491, 491. That's a lot of podcasts there, David. They sure are racking up now. I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. And uh, sorry we've been gone a little bit. It's summer, vacations, or in David's case, getting sick. Um, yeah. I think I got sick in a couple episodes. So, I mean, it happens. And, you know, people paid good money to listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and we could, you know, we uh, we got those big fat salaries that contractually commit us to be here every week. So. I know it. <laughs> So uh, the last show that we did, it was just a like a 15-minute solo show that I did, um, talking about monitor problems that I was having, as well as uh, the idea of maybe going back to the theme music at the beginning. Uh, yeah. I still haven't made a decision on the latter, but on the former, I simply unplugged one of my monitors. I, I just don't need two giant monitors in front of me. Yeah. The only time I really ever really really need it is like when we're doing this podcast when I could put my notes on the other screen. But I don't need a 27-inch monitor for the notes app to be open, you know. Yeah, well, that's that's what iPads are invented for. That's right. Um no. I mean I I find I do I do that increasingly more nowadays, which is I will use if I want to look at a uh, you know, two documents side by side or something, or refer to something on one while I'm doing something on my computer, I'll bring it up on my phone or my, my tablet rather than necessarily have um, have a second monitor. I mean, when I'm at work, I, I have my computer plugged in to a monitor and then I can use the, the computer itself as a second monitor. At home, I've done the same as you. I've got one big monitor now rather than having two. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, if I need two on a smaller laptop screen, I've got one of those... Um, UCBC, USB-C, uh, kind of laptop plug-in monitors. You know, it's it's like it's like a laptop screen without the laptop. And you just plug it in, and you've got a second monitor, and you fold it up and put it away when you're done with it. Hmm. You know, so um, the I think the thing for me that I was thinking while you were talking on your on your solo show was that you know nowadays monitor resolutions are so high and the screens are so big for what used to be monster money is now a couple of hundred dollars. That having multiple monitors is is possibly you can probably get away with one if it's big enough and it's got high enough resolution. Yeah, and you know the the one that I've got in front of me is more than enough. I mean, yeah. it's a thirty two inch screen. That's yeah, pretty freaking big. And well, it's, granted, it's, it's not, only thirty megahertz, but or uh, yeah, no 30. six thirty yeah thirty. But I, I don't play games on it, so I don't really need a super high refresh rate. And I never yeah. see any problems with video. Never. Yeah. So, yeah. it's not so long ago that that would have been a TV, and that would have been across the room. And oh, this would have been, would have going, been a high-end workstation. Exactly. Screen. And uh, you know, we just bought a new TV for Alexander um, for his bedroom, and he's going from a twenty-four inch to a thirty-two inch. It's at the end of his bed, and yep. uh, you know that's that's great for the end of your bed. I mean, we would have killed for that. <laughs> when oh my we, god! You and I were growing up. I had you know. a. Um, I think it was a 24-inch CRT, obviously, back yeah. in the 80s growing up. When MTV hit, Yeah, I don't know what it was like in Britain, but here in the U.S., when M MTV finally was out there in the wild, we got it, surprisingly. Um, probably within six months of launch, my parents yeah. you know, gave me a TV to put in my room. I already had it in there with rabbit ears, and I was the one that actually figured out that I could put a cable splitter and run the cable in the basement and yeah. up into the... So I had cable in my room, and I got a cable box. And I still remember it was a manual switching cable box where it had three tiers, but only one tier of numbers, and you had to have the selector switch on the side to go from one, one tier to the second tier. And number 17 was MTV on the second tier. And right. I could still remember... Just leaving MTV on twenty four seven. Even when I was sleeping, I had my freaking TV on, and that TV was like I said, it was like I think it was a twenty four inch. It was color, and I thought it was the best thing in the world. And it probably generated five hundred watts of electricity to heat my room in the winter time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but God, I love that thing. Well, um, yeah, you, certainly the eighties. As the eighties and it went into the nineties, that's when things kind of changed in Britain. But certainly during the eighties, well, for a start, we didn't have cable. There was no cable in Britain. Um, so 
the channels you got were what came over the air and um i think in the early 80s that was four mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know two commercial ca- channels with ads and then two bbc channels and literally that was it so we had no mtv we were aware of it but we didn't have it um and um i think in the 80s yeah most kids i mean i i was from a fairly affluent family i didn't have a tv in my room until i was in the i was probably 15 16 and then my first one was a hand-me-down so it was a 13 inch black and white yep um and i think a lot of kids in britain would have been in the same sort of position we weren't as um we weren't as globalized as we are nowadays so uh yeah no mtv for us the only thing we knew about mtv was when brother uh, one dire straits sang about it in um, money for nothing which is a terrible song um <laughs> i always hated that song yeah. i yeah it's, it was awful I just hated it so much. Um, and day in uh, Mellencamp, what's his name? John John Cougar Mellencamp. I, I absolutely hate that guy's voice and every song he's ever done. Right. Okay. Jack and okay. Diane is, I, I think, a terrorist act. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they were members of ISIS. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think the statute of limitations has run out, but yeah, you know, there should be laws. That yeah. A song like that can get on the air is just—it's yeah. a criminal act. It's just—if they're going to they're gonna try and ban TikTok, they've got to get rid of Metal Camp as well. That's—it's uh, right there. And, and, and I've got to be honest, as a as a, a fan of Dice Trace, it's definitely one of those bands where their earlier stuff was much better than the stuff they did later on. That's kind of everybody, you know, in some respects. Like Stevie Wonder's early career was brilliant, and then he became friends with people like Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney, and his music just went to crap <laughs> it's like ugh. they were just everyone at the time was writing songs to make a good video so they can get on mtv because if you got your video on mtv you've got it made which is going back to the topic of conversation money for nothing was yeah. a, a revolutionary video and and because it was talking about mtv mtv played it an awful lot yep because <laughs> it was like advertising themselves on but their it really channel. wasn't because it's kind of poking holes at it you know well, it's poking is poking holes at musicians who play on mtv rather than mtv itself well but it kind of was yeah. poking indirectly at mtv yeah. as well yeah no but but the it was the 80s nobody was particularly self-aware no not really <laughs> mtv was relevant right up to like the beginning of the 90s and it just went downhill immediately yeah, the moment they, stopped- they started original programming <laughs> yeah i was gonna say when they decided that you know, MTV needs to change it up and stop stop playing as much music television. Was when it kind of went down. Funny that, isn't it? But the funny thing is, they were right at the time. The viewership was dropping rapidly when, and and what really brought them back was the Real World. You remember that show? Yeah, yeah. And it was anything but real. We know that most of that was scripted stuff that they were doing. But regardless, that's what people people were drawn back to MTV to to see. And now MTV is still a channel, but they're also a production house. Like Sylvester Stallone's latest um, Tulsa Kings it came out of MTV Studios. Yeah. Well, let's face it. I mean, MTV, by moving away from music television, saved themselves from being destroyed by YouTube, which is what would have happened if they continued on the same way, because yep. YouTube is now where people watch music videos. Yeah, but the problem with YouTube, I think, is discoverability, because... Yeah. And this is the biggest difference between the streaming world that we live in and now and what we grew up with. Now, we had a lot less choice when we were growing up. But once you guys had cable and everybody was pretty much had a couple hundred channels on the television, that's when you would discover new stuff because you couldn't just start watching whatever you wanted whenever you wanted. You had to surf the channels and you'd come across something you've never seen before. And you stop to watch and oh my god, this is great or this is terrible, and you move on. Yeah. But that was the discoverability. It was slow, ponderous, and kind of boring, but that's how you learned about new stuff. And we kind of had this shared um, experience because we all discovered the same things. Yeah. If someone at work or at school, if you were young enough, found something cool on TV, everybody at work is going to tune in to see what it was like, you know? Yeah. But now, what you watch on YouTube or Disney Plus or HBO Max could be completely different than people in your own houses, what they're watching. Yeah, and and it comes down to the quality of the algorithms. And um, I've always found that YouTube's suggestion algorithm is terrible. Um, It's... 
it offers you similar stuff to what you've already watched. It doesn't really offer you very much more. It doesn't move you out of a genre. So if you're looking for particular things, you'll get more and more of that, but not really like, well, if you like this, you might like that, and something that's completely different. And then the other thing that's completely destroying YouTube nowadays is the ads. The ads are so intrusive. Well, see, I don't see any because I pay for, A, I've got an ad blocker, but number two, I actually pay for YouTube, so I don't see any ads. Yeah, but six, what's it, 16, I think think they want 16 pounds a month in Britain for YouTube premium to avoid the ads. I don't use YouTube enough to make it worthwhile to pay, that's more, that's probably double what I'm paying for Netflix and Disney Plus each, so I'm not going to do that for YouTube for God's sake. Um, and the problem with the ad blockers is that YouTube is pretty good at getting around the ad blockers. You know, I, I had recently had a binge of, of, you know, I was I was researching a new subject. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos and I've seen, you know, sometimes you watch the same ad five times in a single 12 minute YouTube video. Yep. It's just ridiculous. And it's, you just look at it. And you think, OK, so is, is it what you know, you're trying to annoy people to your, to your very expensive premium subscription? Um, it was cra- it was kind of crazy. That is kind of the main reason people subscribe. Isn't for the benefits, it's so I don't have to see ads. Yeah. So, I mean, for that regard, it it probably does work. Well, not for me. I'm not going to sign up for it. You know, it just just kind of turned me off the whole thing, really. Yeah. I don't know. know. We watch a lot of YouTube, especially in the living room. So, to us, it's totally worth it. Yeah, but the the going back to the algorithms though, we had this the other day. I I we were we were doing a trip um, for a couple of hours in uh, in the car, running Charlotte around yesterday. She has these busy Saturdays and Sundays, um, and um, I put Spotify on in the car through Apple CarPlay, and uh, rather than put, I've got a I've got a like a monster playlist with basically everything that people like. I stick in there, and then I put it on shuffle most most of the time, but. Today, yesterday, I decided I'm just going to put on like a new playlist of you know what's hot in Britain at the moment type thing, and that was the first time that I'd heard a lot of songs which are on there, and um, it was kind. It's kind of like listening to the radio because obviously yeah. when you listen to the radio, you're getting stuff that somebody else thinks is is hot. But the downside, of course, is that a song comes on, and and I don't know if you've experienced this, but in my family, it's like you'll get people, they'll listen to 15 seconds of it and then say, no, don't like it, move on. I do that as well. Yeah, sometimes, actually, you have to listen to the whole song to really decide whether it's any good or not, because some of them aren't very good at the start. Mm, No, I I disagree with that. I've yet to ever start liking a song that I didn't like the beginning. Right. Like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, now it's really good. I don't think I've ever experienced that. It's usually terrible for the. I can usually tell within ten seconds whether I'm going to like a song or not. Okay. And just move right on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but but then to to go back to what we're talking about, to listen to those new songs depends on Spotify's algorithm based on on you know how it's surfacing those songs into that playlist. Because I'm I don't believe they're all created by humans. I think they're uh, they're artificially generated. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And uh, if you don't choose to go to that playlist, you're never going to hear any of those new songs. So. Well, but that was true with the radio, too. If you only listen to the top 40 listening in your car back in the day, you're never going to discover other genres, other, you know, That's true, hard but rock at least, or country. At, or At least with the top 40, you are listening to things that other people are listening to. The problem with Spotify and Apple Music is you're listening to the stuff you've regularly listened to. And, you know, you rely on an algorithm to surface up something else if you choose to do that. And a lot of people don't. True. But, yeah. I mean, that's there's no difference between that and the radio, though. Guess so. Because back in the, back in the day, things that were popular on the radio, not because everyone yeah. liked it. Yeah, it's because the record companies were paying the radio stations to play these damn songs. That's true. But at least people were listening to the radio. You were at least getting the new stuff through that way. Nowadays, we just can listen to our own stuff and never listen to anything new. Yeah. Which is I great tell for you. Old, old guys like us. It's probably yep. not good for listening to new music. Probably not. Um, yeah. Every car nowadays comes with Sirius XM here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It's a subscription service. You get three months when you get a car. And I can't tell you that how many times an older person will go, that's a serious, they have to have Sirius in there because they really like it. And nobody in the younger generation, I'm going to say under 35, gives one wit about am fm in fact a lot of manufacturers are dropping am now thank goodness yeah um and 
they never listen to SiriusXM. Everything is Spotify. Everything is Pandora. Everything is Apple Music. Everything is Amazon Music. Those are the ones they're listening to. Those are the ones they care yeah. about. And and everything is frankly through the phone because what what uh, I, I I've, I've been coming to this. Re- my my car is driving me crazy at the minute, right? My my electric car has as you as often a lot of these modern vehicles are is all connected so it wanted me to create an account when i got when i got the car and it can do various different updates over the th- over the thing but one of the things it does that irritates me is that all the settings for the dashboard they they can you can vary the lighting in the car the um the climate control all these various different things they decided in their infinite wisdom to store in the cloud so what oh, well, there's some sort of bug going on now where every time I get in the car it says oh you have new settings do you want to apply them and if I click OK then I get some random set of settings I never set up yeah and I and I so, you know so the lights change and the air conditioning changes and all of that and I and uh, I think to myself first of all whose settings are these and secondly I only ever drive the same car <laughs> I don't need settings in the cloud. I'm not hopping from Volkswagen to Volkswagen, hoping my settings come with me. Actually, first of all, because you said two things, it's it's three, actually. First of all, massively uh, first world problems. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my air conditioning isn't quite to my... No, no, it's it's worse than that, actually, because... um, if it if it was just the temperature, I could care less. But what there's, there's lots of different climate modes in this car. All this smart stuff you don't really want, and it sets one of those on. Yeah. Um. I think it starts defrosting the windscreen or something. Well, it's an electric car, so immediately it starts using the heater. I mean, turning that setting on and off makes a real difference to the range. Yeah. So the fact it automatically turns it on and doesn't tell me is is actually quite a negative experience. Yeah. And the lights. The 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 lighting and that sort of thing again you could kind of care less but the point is is this is a premium vehicle and they're giving me a user experience that that's worse more annoying than uh, a cheaper vehicle that doesn't have all this crap on and they're offering me a service that's pointless because nobody needs their car settings stored in the cloud you know i tell you what i've come to the realization the last few months is we as a society is not ready for all electric vehicles. It's a bad idea for everyone to just rush to electric vehicles now. I think hybrid's a way better option for 95% of everybody. I think the all electrics is a bad idea. And the reason for that is, is more people get them. Um, they're not, at least here in the U.S., and I know in Britain, less or so, but still the case, they're not having enough charging stations, and it takes yeah. way too long to charge. Yep. Um, no, and then the charging stations that are out there, they, they install them, and it's usually third parties that own them, but they install them out there, and then there's a problem, and it takes weeks to months to fix them. I completely agree. And yeah. and, it's, and as somebody who purely uses public charging, because I can't charge at home, because I can't park on the... I don't have a driveway, so I can't, you know, connect to my house for the car. So I, I use public chargers. Com, uh, com, I rely on them. And exactly that problem. I went to one a couple of weeks ago. So Volkswagen has a, um, they, because of the energy crisis, they've all become quite expensive here. Yep. And if you go to just a public one and, and use your debit card to, to sign up to, to pay for it, you'll, you'll effectively be paying for the electricity probably a little bit more than you pay for gas. Yep. Um, and with all the inconveniences of the slow charging rather than just filling up with gas. So it's a real disadvantage. Volkswagen has a scheme where they've paired up with certain companies. So you pay them a subscription, 10, 15 pounds a month, and then you get discounted charging, which makes it far more economical. I go to a charger that supports this the other day um, and it won't accept my card. And I call the charger company and after 20 minutes on the phone to them, they say, well, we think the charger's working fine. It must be a problem with your card. So I call Volkswagen, and after 20 minutes on the phone with them, they say, well, your card is perfectly fine. It must be a problem with the charger. Yep. Yeah, and, and it's just like, and I said, I, I actually did say to them, I said, look, this is unacceptable. I said, you know, it, this is like turning up to a gas station and the gas station going, oh, yeah, you know, we've got some sort of technical problem. So uh, we just can't sell you any gas today. You need to go and find somewhere else. I said, you can't do this for for people who are relying on cars. You know, well, and you with know the what gas station, at least there's a lot more gas stations nearby, whereas exactly. electric charger, yeah. well, good luck. You're just screwed. Yeah. 
And you know what I ended up doing? I went to a Tesla charger and I yep. used that and it was, uh, you know, for all of Tesla's faults and they are many, their charging network is works the way it should work, which is loads of chargers. They had about 20 chargers there um, and they, they all just work. They're not, they don't have uh, cards and everything. It's all that base and it, it's just ultra reliable. Yep. You know, yeah, we've got a supercharger at work. Now yeah. it's a third party who installed it. We agreed to put it in. Because, you know, we also sell Jaguar, and Jaguar has a couple of all-electrics. And it's been down for a year. It still shows up on every app that it's yeah. good, it's ready to go, and we'll see someone pull in and then leave with a ticked out. Now, they think it's us. Well, yeah. Metro Toyota and blah, blah, blah. And, and you'll see a bad review, like, their supercharger isn't working. Well, it's not ours. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a private company. They know there's a problem. But there's no fix incoming. There's something yeah. wrong with it. They don't know how to fix yet. And this yeah. happens all the time. Uh, a guy at work bought the new BZ4X. It's a yeah. all electric. All electric, yeah. He has to pull it into our delivery bay and plug it into a 110 outlet to charge it when he's at work because all of our chargers are down. So and this yeah. is a mass. It's, it's a huge problem. I think anybody considering a, an all electric should reconsider at this point. I, I think I think you, ha- you really realistically you you need to think as long as i need to be able to charge it from home right if you can charge it from home this is a complete non-issue because you you get home at night you plug it in you come out in the morning it's full yeah and you're always leaving with a full charge if you can't do that then actually it is a huge problem and there's very many people in the western world live in places where they don't have access to their own their own driveway and, and charging the governments of the world need to fix this because otherwise you can't get rid of electric cars so if you here's an apartment yeah good you luck know, you can't well a lot of apartments will have two or four things on but if everybody in the in the building has an electric car that's not going to work for something that needs four hours to charge well here's the other issue david with the electrics the electrics cost more than the gas or the hybrid oh yeah yeah okay. mine's expensive yeah right so you're paying more for a vehicle that's going to be less reliable as far as charging goes yep. for a lot of people. That's number one. Number two, you think you're doing great for the ba- the planet. Oh, I'm saving the planet because my electric car. So you get home and you've got a fast charger at home. It's, you know, here in the U.S. that'd be a 220. And, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to the gas station. Except your electric bill's doubled, at least, because you're charging a giant car every night. Yeah. And what do you think that power's coming from? You, you well, think that's yeah, all wind no. powered or something? Uh, no, it's coal so, plants. Of, of course, the uh, all right. So what I what I'd say about that is, first of all, the actual cost of domestic electricity, uh, filling an electric car is still way cheaper than filling filling a car with gas. Yeah, and and depending on where you live, it's it's way way cheaper. I mean, I know your gas is relatively cheap in the states, but not if you're spending twenty grand more for the vehicle to you're begin not, with. Well, you're not saving any money. You're paying well, more lot, money. Yeah, a lot of people lease the vehicle, and there are not right they're, now. They're not. Know. Lease rates are through the roof. It costs you more to lease the car on a monthly basis than if my, you just purchased it. The the scheme I'm on with my car, which is a, a business lease, it's costing me less than it was costing me for my uh, my my smaller gas car. But again. Those are things that are structural. Those things can be fixed. I think the auto manufacturers at the moment are, are, are seeing a gold rush for. They're seeing, oh, we can charge more for electric cars, and and those cut. They're kind of like Apple car, a, 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 like Apple devices. It's like the the more affluent people in society, the ones who want to buy those right now, so they'll pay the higher prices, so they they make more money. Ultimately, if we want to get rid of the petrol engine then cars have to be as available as affordable to everybody in the market as uh, electric cars have to be as petrol cars are today we're nowhere near there yet that's no that's the way it needs we're, to come. we're 20 years away from everyone owning electric car well yeah I, look or more they're, they're talking about banning pet banning um combustion engines in britain by 2030 either 2030 or i think it's 2030 or 2035 so these structural problems need to be solved here by then otherwise and it's not going to happen it's not going to happen yeah it won't happen yeah i guarantee you that will be repel it's going to be delayed okay now we're pushing out to 2035 now 2040 it's one thing for someone in your situation to say oh yeah it's a business lease and you're zero 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 one percent of the population i'm not disagreeing with you on anything you say yeah the only thing i would say the only thing i would say about the um 
about the uh, the plant that's charging the car, you're absolutely right. At the moment, you can't think yourself that you're that doing that is carbon neutral because it Correct. isn't. Except that um, many many uh, the the grid itself is slowly becoming more renewable, so that will fix itself over time. And also, as well, if you have solar or you have wind locally that you can use, then you can also fix that. You can also buy. But you're all, you're talking about a lot of things that. Yes, eventually they can fix it. Except the auto industry is too far ahead of where it should be. Yeah, they, well, they they the auto industry is starting to respond to movements from the governments. I'd say the governments are too far behind where they need to be because, I, frankly, I would agree should, in the infrastructure yeah, aspect. We, of sh- it. we should be doing this now. It's, it's far easy to decarbonize the the electric power grid than it is to get people to buy electric cars, and yet governments are dragging their feet about that because they're worried about the money. Um, and that yeah, is something that we don't have enough of these power plants. If everybody, let's just take my t- my town right here, Battle Creek. If everybody in Battle Creek in two years got an electric vehicle, there's a big government grant and it's a free car. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Except if everybody goes home and plugs a car in at night, we're going to have rolling blackouts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they've got to do it all. They can't just do bits and pieces. Right. And this is the problem is that you're, abs- you're absolutely right. The western world in particular is being very very slow to do all of this stuff whereas at the same time we're saying to uh to the third world oh well, you can't have coal power plants anymore they're bad for the environment yeah when exactly. we've been when we've been pumping co2 into the atmosphere for the last exactly. 50 years yep. yeah absolutely right yeah, yeah i i think for the most part anybody looking at buying a new car today that wants to save fuel get a hybrid do so, not get an yeah. electric yet. It's so in, you're really you're adding so much inconvenience to your life that's unnecessary. Yeah. So interestingly enough, um, I've had I had the Nissan Leaf before. I now have the the Volkswagen ID Five. My wife has a hybrid Yaris, and she still, even though she likes my ID Five, she still says if when I come to replace the Yaris, I'm going to buy another hybrid. I'm not going to buy an all electric for all, exactly all of these reasons you've just said. Yep. And she is somebody who. You know, she she recognizes climate and that sort of thing, but she also recognizes she can't deal with a lot of inconvenience. When you and, just uh, need to get to your kid to school, you don't want to be screwing around with your electric car because oh, it didn't charge last night. Yeah, or, and this is and she said, look, I don't want to be dragging a heavy cable around. No, I don't want to be plugging. I mean, she's got disability. She says, I don't think I could manage plugging the cable in. The cable itself is very heavy and unwieldy. It's a thick cable, and I I appreciate that. You know, I absolutely appreciate that. Um, I get all of these things, and you're right; these things will will have to improve. But you know what? The first the first petrol cars were a pain in the ass. The first Actually, petrol cars, the very first cars of, were electric. Yeah, I know, but I and, and I'm aware of that. But after um, uh, the Model T came out, which yep. popularised petrol cars, right? Those first petrol cars were a pain in the neck. And yep. it was exactly the same thing. Only rich people who could who were prepared to put up with the inconveniences had them, because everyone else kind of kind of went, you know, no, I'm going to stick with what we've got because it works, and there's a stable on every corner for the horses. And um, but the difference well, is, you know, David, back then that inconvenience, the population was one one hundredth of it what it is right yep. now. Not quite that much, but it was it was an inconvenience for in an average town twelve people. It's not uh, that way anymore. No, no. And, and you know, our experience here in Britain is very different from yours because everything here is much closer together. You know, I can I can walk to the nearest city centre if I want to from where I live. Um, and, but I, and I'm living in a typical suburb of that city. It would take me a couple of hours, but I could do it. Whereas in, in the US, everything is, I know from living there, is much more spread out. And frankly, if you don't have a car, it's very, very difficult to get around. I really, I, I really, really recognise all of that, and I don't think the electric car is a panacea by any stretch of the imagination. But it's, it's one part of a lot of things we need to do, to fix the problem we're in. And, and I, got to be honest, I think the jury's out at the moment about whether we'll get there in time to stop climate change that really, really affects everybody. Because I just think we are just sleepwalking into it, going, oh yeah, we know it's a problem, but you know, we, but, but we can't. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. You know. I take the view that I can afford to run an electric car and that very slightly in my case reduces my impact on the environment and the uh, amount of CO2 I'm plugging into the atmosphere and 
that's got to be something that I can afford to do. So I, I kind of feel like I've got a little bit of a, a moral obligation to do it because I can rather than just saying, well, you know, I can't. So that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of where I am with it, you know, and I've got to be honest, drive, once you, once you drive electric cars, they're so much better than a petrol car. I mean, they really are. Unless you want to go a long distance in a reasonable no, well, amount of time. I, I, no, no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the driving experience and actually my one 300 miles, no problem. So that's a long enough distance for me in Britain. Right. Um, you know, here in so, the US it's not. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. I think I think adoption probably will be different in different countries. And mm-hmm. the U.S. Has, has really, you know, is probably has more political incentives to drag its feet than everything than any anywhere else. Because yeah, we the, we're uh, a two party system, and one party does not want this to happen. And yeah. unfortunately, and the, they've and got the, the and clout also, to. Yeah, and you've also got industries that are have got the clout to influence both sides of the aisle. Yep. I mean, look at look at. Joe Manchin is a Democrat. He's the biggest oil nut going. Yep. Go on. No, don't give me that look. You go over there. Stupid cat. Can't disagree with your view on electric vehicles. You know, let's stay with electric vehicles right now because this one, this is a story that I put in a couple weeks ago. Uh, Came out the beginning of April. So, but uh, Tesla employees reportedly shared videos captured by cameras and customer cars. This is, you know, you could say, hey, at least Tesla's got their charging ports right. Yeah, except they got some real scumbags working for them. Well, so there's there's a couple of things when I saw this story, right? First of all, going back to my complaint about my Volkswagen is why, if you have a Tesla, does it feel the need to send the videos anywhere? (laughs) Why do they need to go to Tesla? Tesla doesn't need them. What did the? Why is the video going to Tesla? You've got eight cameras on Tesla, and anybody who works at Tesla can see all those videos. Why? Because it's who all did, stored in the cloud. But why? Why do that? And why not do what certain some other companies do and others don't, which is set it up so the video is stored in the cloud, but n- no Yahoo who works at Tesla can just come along and watch it. Encryption some- is a thing. Some Tesla workers shared sensitive photos and videos captured by the cameras on owners' cars between each other for several years. Yeah. Uh, former this- employees told the outlet that colleagues shared images and group chats and videos and one-on-one communications 20, between 2019 and last year. One such video showed a Tesla driver at high speed before hitting a child on a bike. Other footage included things like a nude man walking towards a vehicle. We could see them doing laundry and really intimate things we could see their kids one former employee said jesus christ yeah how are they not being sued out of existence well so the problem is uh you know we we know that uh for instance apple has a policy of end-to-end encryption so their employees can't access this stuff willy-nilly even under a court order even, yeah, and the reason, one of the reasons for doing that is because, and we've seen, how many times have we Keep seen Keep talking for one second, David. I'll yeah. be right back. It doesn't matter how many contracts you put in place and non-disclosure agreements and threats of discipline you put in place, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's Amazon Ring, whether it's anything to do with video, whether it's your Google phone, your Apple phone, whatever. You can't compel people every single one of your employees not to behave inappropriately with customer data. You just can't. doesn't matter how well you vet people. People are people, and some people will go, oh, it's okay if I look at this. And then once they find something they think is funny, they can't resist sharing it with other people. And law enforcement does this all the time as well. We've had plenty of incidences here in the UK in the last couple of years where we found uh, police officers sharing body cam video or sharing uh, taking personal videos at crime scenes and then sharing those around among their friends and what's happened this that and the other and having a laugh at them and commenting things and just basically behaving unprofessionally and inappropriately so in my view the only way you deal with that is to recognize no matter how great your employees are you're always going to have people who are going to do this and you need to put the technical trolls in place that basically say if we're going to store customer data we can't just let our employees see it we can't just give them the power to open up any one of these they want and if they think it's funny to copy it and send it somewhere else we just need to make that not a thing if we are going to store that my personal preference is that actually as i say 
I don't want the stuff stored in the cloud, right? I don't need every single video from my car or my ring doorbell or anything stored in the, stored in the cloud forever, yeah? Store it, store it in a way so it's encrypted and so that only I can get it and if your staff need to get it, they've got, they've got to go through some sort of process that involves oversight and not them just clicking a button. Yep. And then, yeah, and then, and then secondly, yeah, ask yourself, do, do we need to store that in the cloud at all? Can we just leave it where it is? Memory is a thing. And putting memory on a local device, allowing the stuff to sit there and then having it rollingly deleted after 30 days, to me, is very much the way that any video device should operate. Mm, I don't know. I, as someone that, you know, ran an independent Apple store for a while, when people would come in there and their phone bricked on them, they didn't care about the contacts or the music or any of that stuff. What they cared about was the pictures that are on the phone. Yeah. And at the time, it was very cumbersome to back up your stuff, you know, with iCloud, and you had to plug in your phone to your computer to get the... And people would get lazy, and they would, you know, skip it for months at a time before they would back yeah. up their phone. And the only thing they wanted was their pictures. That's all they wanted. And it was heartbreaking when you couldn't help them. It really was. Yeah. So, in some respects, I agree with you, and others, it's like, yeah, but... Yeah, but I would argue that the uh, there's a big difference between the personal pictures you've taken with your camera, where you have pointed at something and clicked a button, than there is from streaming video devices that you might have around your stuff, like your car or your or your doorbell. Or those those are the sort of things you want access to that if there's been a problem. But the rest of the time, you don't want anybody else looking at it. And and that's the issue is the companies are going, oh, no, we'll back it up in the cloud. And then they're doing a, a shoddy job and they're allowing their employees to review it for kicks. Yep. And that is that is wrong. And as I was saying, why you set away, you can't rely on, oh, well, our employees are the best and we've got them to sign NDAs and they've got they face disciplinary action if they don't unless they get strung up by the testicles or equivalent. Um then uh, if they if they do it, then there will always be somebody who, w who will do it if they can. And so if you want to stop these things happening, you need to say, let's make it impossible for them to do that unless there's a good reason followed by governance or a court order or oversight or some description rather than just having it a free-for-all. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, um, and, and as I said, I still don't understand in Tesla's case why all of that footage needs to be stored up on their servers. Yeah, I, d I just don't get it. It's it's video from the uh, the front facing camera and the the cameras they have in the wing mirrors and stuff yeah, like they that. Yeah, it should just auto delete after like fifteen days. Yeah, because if you need it because of an accident, you're going to pull it within fifteen days. Yeah. And, Otherwise, and it should. In fact, none of well, hmm. here here's the problem: if you don't have it backed up to the storage and the car's wrecked, the storage is probably gone too. You know, so mm -hmm. it. it there's got to be a time limit, and it has to be end and encrypted, and only yep. accessible through either um, the owner themselves or a court order. A company is simply restricted from accessing it without approval. Yeah, I mean, it still comes down to employees that you know they're not supposed to, but they're going to. Ha ha ha! This is funny. Well, if yeah, frankly, if you if you build a decent process, you can. You right. Can Anybody who access the video has to have authorization and there has to be oversight on that author hey you I, we saw that you pulled these three videos um yeah. i don't see that that was authorized to do so you're fired yeah let's talk about so, something else that blah uh, this just good god this is from april as well google's this just blows my mind <laughs> yeah. this is why do you own an iphone tim hmm yeah Google will soon restrict loan apps from accessing users' photos and contacts. Why the fuck? <laughs> now I got to put the the now curse word put, thing. Yeah. Why the fuck yeah. would Google Once have you've ever done it, allowed? You might as well go to town. Would <laughs> ever have allowed any app without you know it's a face mapping thing or something? Why in the hell would Google ever allow loan? <laughs> apps from accessing photos and contacts are you goddamn kidding me so so let's just put the context of this why is this a problem because it turns out that in certain places where their attitude to personal data and law enforcement is 
uh, different than ours. Let's just say that we're talking about countries in Africa and country and uh, apps in India are, are cited in this article as examples. What happens is some of these loan apps are effectively loan shark apps rather than loan apps. So they're yeah. not from your bank. They're not from a financial institution with government oversight. They are basically some group of people who are loaning money electronically using apps. And what they will do is if you don't make a payment or you don't like the fact they've just jacked the prices up or whatever, yeah, and you have an argument with them and you stop paying or you're late with the payment or something, is they will access your content and spam everybody you know with horrible things about you and swear words about you. And then they'll go through those photos, their photos and then they'll send somebody a photo hey, of I themselves. Yeah, see your and go, goes to the school. Yeah, see, so shame, shame, shame is something. To <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, it's Google helping the mafia, basically. Yeah, 100%. Why? Why? Yeah. why? Because Google's system is you install an app and it puts up a weak dialogue going, well, you need permissions of this, that, and the other. Otherwise, you can't have the app. And most people just go, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, just kind of like we do with the EULA. Yeah. Instead of saying, well, actually, there's no reason for that type of app to access that sort of information. So we're going to centrally scan the app and stop it from doing that. Um, you know, it's... I'm not saying that the App Store, Apple App Store is perfect. We've talked many times about some of the problems. They have a lot of scammy apps. But the difference is normally with Apple, if you tell them about it, they will ban the app and they will reinforce their guidelines and they will improve their app stand, apps, um, application scanning standards to try and catch this stuff in the food. Note that headline. <laughs> Google will soon stop people from yeah, doing not, this. Not, not they immediately. <laughs> yeah. They they pushed out an update today to stop. Now eventually they're going to stop yeah, when they get around to it. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and then the next article, uh, and both of these came from Engadget. In fact, so did the Tesla one. Uh, Engadget's still a really good site. Um, this one was yesterday, uh, May twentieth, and the headline is. Apple rejected 1,679,694 apps in the App Store submission in 2002. Now, some of these were updates that they said no to, but a lot of them were new apps. So people go, oh, I don't want some company curating what I can see. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you, you really do. You think you don't. Freedom. Shut up. You don't know what you want. You really yeah. don't. You think that this yeah. is something like, I should be able to put any app anytime I want on my device. Really? Really? You, you Is that what you really, really want? Because I don't yeah. think it is. Yeah. Because the moment your stuff gets hacked and your nude photos gets uploaded to your Facebook family group, all of a sudden, oh, this is Google's fault. This is Apple's fault. <laughs> yeah. No, it's your, <laughs> fault your fault because yeah. you wanted your freedom. Yeah. Because, well, because freedom of speech runs all ways. And that that gives people the freedom to do things that you don't agree with. And sometimes, and, you know, it also allows people to go, okay, well, I'm going to do this. It's probably illegal, but um, somebody's got to catch me. And then they've got to find me. And then they've got to prosecute me. And then they've got to recover the funds. Yeah. So um, when, it, when you look at how much uh, online crime gets resolved by the various law enforcement operators around the world there's very few of them compared to the criminals yeah you realize that that's a zero-sum game for the criminals they can go mm -hmm. yeah if somebody doesn't stop us we can do it and we'll probably get away with making quite a lot of money before or if we get caught yeah so having the company act as a gatekeeper to, to keep the worst of that down is is a is a benefit i've that, always I mean, liked it because do, should should you trust Apple? I don't know. I mean, they're the one of the biggest companies in the world. I don't think you should ever trust a company that big. Yeah. But when you just look at their mission statements and their history, who's Google's customer? It, it it's not the user, by the yeah. way. It, it's advertisers. Yeah. Who is Apple's customers? Is it advertisers? Not really. It's the user. But, yeah. I mean, they take advertising, don't get me wrong, but it's a yeah. minuscule part of their business compared to hardware and software sales. That's their uh, yeah. core business. I think the problem is, is we, you know, we have complained and then people are recognizing that over time as Apple gets more into services to backfill their revenue, um, the, 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 this, this relationship they have with advertising is being eroded. 
and you know it, it's all it's a slippery slope argument it always starts with oh well they only advertise their own stuff you know they only advertise apple products and services and they still gatekeep to stop the worst stuff getting in um the the difficulty is over time as that money becomes more important and they have a department or a uh, business unit that is very much motivated by ad incentives and ad marketing money that that some of these things may get eroded but today they are definitely the least worst compared to other people um and that is of a value of uh, of part of their product proposition and are they perfect and do they get things right all the time no and and i you know i think you and but i i, I do believe their heart is in the right place yeah I, I absolutely agree. That. I don't. But, I know, don't think a company like Facebook or YouTube or Google or Tesla. I don't think their heart's in the right place. I really don't. No, no, I agree. You know, and with, in some cases with Tesla, it's because the guy runs it. Yeah, he's uh, a scumbag. I, you know, yeah, he is. He is a, a he's a mercurial scumbag, which is the worst type. You know, because he changes his mind all the time, uh, and sometimes he th- comes up with ideas that are horrible. Um, with yeah, with Tesla, it's more about overpromising and under delivering. You know, they they project one thing when in fact they they actually deliver another. Um, I actually think Tesla's got um, a limited lifespan now because they're too. not de- they're not developing new vehicles. No, you they've know, been selling so, the same car for four years, and they've had to but, drop the price three times in this last year alone. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think I think that that halo effect around Tesla is going to get eroded by competition. And, and I'm sorry, their newer cars are so freaking ugly. Golly, they're ugly. Yeah, you know, and, look, and their that, build quality is terrible. I don't yes. understand why people are even buying Teslas because it's a, it's got a, a halo associated with it. And uh, I had one know. come in the other day. The guy was looking at uh, the new Prius. And he was talking about trading in his Tesla. And I said, well, that's kind of, is that going backwards for you? And he goes, no, I'm just, I'm just tired of the Tesla. It doesn't, the, the passenger door doesn't close correctly every time. And it's been like that since it's brand new. And they've come out and looked at it a bunch of times and it's the same. And yeah. the gaps between body panels are off massively. Um, it, it's, you look at any of these groups on Facebook and it's complaint after complaint and they, they seem to be still worshiping it. Like it's some great thing. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's really not. If you want some of that kind of performance with more luxury and, and sad to say, and this is hard to say, get a Jaguar electric. It's just yeah. as fast as a Tesla. It's way more comfortable and it's yeah. built better. Yeah. Um, the, the, see, in, in Jaguar, because uh, I mean, product quality has never been this one of their strong points either <laughs> no. but the advantage you have with an electric jaguar is there's far less for them to screw up and, and make go wrong because electric cars are simpler to build and, and operate yeah um but uh but yeah you know look I, I i'm frustrated with the problems with mine i've been trying to have this um settings problem fixed in my car since i got it last november and they still haven't managed to fix it. It's got to go into the shop again for them to do. For some reason, every time it needs one update, it has to go to the shop for a day, and they can't do it over the air. Um, I, and I, I, frankly, I don't believe they're going to fix it. By I don't think there's anything wrong in the car. I think the problem is is up in their cloud. Yep. Um, and these things really do detract from the you know from the from the customer experience. The car is nagging me all the time saying you've got to do this you've got to log in because I've, I've logged it out now to try and avoid this and that was working for great but then it was spamming me with messages saying you're not logged in you need to log in you're not it's just, just like really leave me alone and, and i'm actually at the point now where i've i'm starting to think i'm just not going to use any of the internal software on the car at all as much as possible i'm just going to stick with carplay and i'm going to ignore the rest of it yeah but don't worry david you know? you're saving the world morally <laughs> oh yes let's get to our feedback here you're the one that said it. I didn't say it. Uh, I, I feel like I'm doing something. Different. Yeah, you're doing something. Whether, all right. whether it's right or wrong, I'm doing something. So. You, you are definitely doing something. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we got two feedbacks, one from Nemo. Now, you remember uh, John Nemo was asking us about upgrading his MacBook. And uh, he finally replied with what he ended up doing. He did. He says, as he feels to bring the notes back up on the screen. He said... You know, if you're running dual me- monitors, this wouldn't have been a problem. I know, I know. <laughs> for many reasons that are not important at the moment, I got a 16-inch MacBook Pro, and David is right. And I, I think I said that he should get wait for the 15-inch Air rather yep. than the, get the 16-inch Pro because that uh-huh. would be big. 
Uh, he said, it is a tank. It has advantages of the proposed 15-inch MacBook Air, especially the fact that it actually exists. Haha, <laughs> which, which is a fair point. If you can't mm-hmm. wait, then, you know. Just got it. So I'm going through the setup and customization. Ironically, it's not really that much different from my 2015 MacBook Pro, but I'm glad to have extended battery life and a few other features. It's basically a replacement model. Yes and no. It, the 16-inch is the uh, M1, yes? Uh, M1 or M2, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you first get the M series Max coming from Intel, at first, especially on the laptops, you think, "Oh, it's it's not too much different than what I'm used to." Except you can actually use this on your lap; it's yeah. not going to burn a hole through your jeans. Um, the power management is off the charts compared to yeah. the Intel models. Uh, the power, as far as computational power is off the charts compared to the Intel models. You just In, well, in almost yeah, you, every way, it's a better machine. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 with with mine, it's very different to find anything that makes it slow down for anything. Yeah. Um, whereas with a regular computer, you know, there are various different things you can do, and you know, all oh, right, I'm going to have to wait for that. With the M1 and the M2s, just none of it. It just keeps... It's, it's very much feels like a phone, but a computer. Yeah. And, and that's, which is, of course, is what it is but that you realize that 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 architecture that apple have come up with here is so much more modern than the intel architecture which basically is is evolution of what of what we came up with in the late 70s um and it just demonstrates you do things a different way you package all of the computer into a single chip which is what the uh, m1 is you know with the storage and everything there as well the advantages are huge just because everything is running like a single computer rather than yep. separate bits having to coordinate with each other and that's that's the real advantage now the downside of course is that you know i i was i found myself musing in the shower the other day about the mac pro the you know we had the 2013 trash can mac pro and that was released unchanged and expensive for five years and then apple came out and said you know what we made a mistake with that one um we painted ourselves into an architectural car- corner but don't worry we still love the mac mac pro we're going to do a new one and uh, and it's going to be awesome and three four years later they come out with a new one it's still hugely expensive and uh yeah massively performant um and here we are well nearly four years later and they haven't replaced it because they can't make an m1 ver- or a, an m version of it uh, and and again, I find myself thinking they've they've actually having made that mistake with the trash can, they did exactly the same thing yep. by replacing it with a a twenty thousand dollar Intel model that they now can't change to a new architecture. No, nope. uh, you know, and and at some point, you can't imagine. You, you have to imagine somebody in the side app is going. You know what? We've lost most of the market because everybody who was waiting for these new machines went off and switched to Windows. <laughs> Or um, Mac, and, or uh, uh, what I'm running, the Mac or, Studio, or all the all the cheaper models, and decided they could, yeah, because the, the reality is most people don't need the sort of performance these uh, twenty thousand dollar machines give you. No, uh, and so yeah, but the, and the people who have, they've either yeah, they've either got new comp- different computers or they've moved to a different platform, um, and that means the software is not the same and everything, and and so the whole Mac Pro market, as far as I'm concerned, must be circling the drain at this point. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, no so, question about it. So, uh, the, is the penny going to drop, and Apple again turn and say, "You know what? We can't do pros like that anymore. The the regular machines we do are powerful enough for ninety five percent of of people, and that five percent market is not worth a separate machine for." Or it's going to be more of a modular thing that you know you you buy the box initially, and it's the M two, and then when an M three comes out, all they got to do is you know slide a board out, slide the yeah, new one in, and you just problem- upgrade it. But the problem is, I don't think they can do that and make it substantially different than what you have on your desk. I think that's, well, that's the issue. The thing. Is, is is my machine, <laughs> this Mac Studio, really the Mac Pro now? Well, it, I think in I some think, respects it is. Yeah, I think that's the issue they face: is that um, they're going to have to charge a lot more for something that has to be demonstrably faster than what you have. Um, and the, and and I think the 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 question has to be: Is there a market for having a separate line like that now? Even if, especially if because of the technical prob not problems, but the architecture of the M2 and the M1 doesn't scale to a high perform performance machine because it's so good. Yeah. You can't. Add, but the problem is you because it's all on the chip. You can't add, just add, keep adding more processes in there, having to talk to each other because you lose the performance advantage of it all being on one chip. 
So I, I think they are. I think they have inadvertently painted themselves into another architectural corner with the pro. Yeah, I think and you're right. Yeah. Guy Searle also commented on my last show that I did solo. Um, go ahead. He said, um, great solo show. I also use two monitors, both 27-inch. However, one is used as a work-from-home remotely monitor, meaning I can still use the other for Mac stuff. So I imagine he's plugging his work laptop to one and he's got his Mac on the other. How I use them as a res- as for resolution has changed with my current conditions. Uh, guys suffering from some sight issues at the minute. Um, I find that for work, Windows remotely, I need to have a lower resolution. They go full screen so I can see anything. That's a Windows problem, to yep. be honest, because Windows has always been worse at upscaling yep. for resolution. 100%. Yep. yep. Um, once I do that, I also change the resolution for my Mac monitor so there won't be a jarring change when switching between them. All that extra space I thought I needed, 2560 by 440 or higher, I think was mostly just wasted moving stuff out of the way. It's strange that with the changes has come a different way of thinking about desktop space and how to organise it in such a way that works best for my new reality. Not better or worse, just different. Still organising, and this likely is only a first in many ways to adjust my computing environment to meet my current needs. I also agree with you that if you aren't gaming, then your refresh rate doesn't really mean much. Correct. Yes. Lastly, um, going on to the theme, I always loved the MyMac theme, but after over 12 years, I just wanted to mix things up a bit. Frankly, it deserves to be heard, and if you want to use it for Tech Fan or Geeks Pub, you should. It does, after all, belong to you and Kevin, did a wonderful job at creating such a bit of music that carries such emotion. Yep, it's, uh, I'm still torn. I, I kind of like the just jumping right in with the show with no theme, because when you do the theme, you have to re-record the intro because half the time Dave and I really don't know what we're going to talk about. We can have stuff in the show notes and we never get to, or we can start talking about stuff that wasn't in the show notes, like MTV at the beginning of this or YouTube algorithms. We, you know, that wasn't in the show notes. It just came out of natural conversation. So I don't know. I, I miss the, my Mac theme. It was always my favorite. I like the tech fan one when we first started this show, and the same writer did both. And I played them both on the last episode, so people heard them. Um, and I liked the tech fan a lot, but there was something special about the MyMac one. You know, it, I would go over to Chad Perry's house to do the show, and I would play that for both of us to get us fired up, ready to go and do the show. And it still, whenever I hear that theme, it, it does still fire me up wanting to get to recording. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm torn. I mean, you're co-host of the show, too, so... Obviously, you have a big say in it. Now, you don't edit it the way I do, but no. still, you know, you got to. One of the things I didn't like, and the reason we got rid of the theme music was we'd get done recording and we'd say, okay, now we need to do some kind of an intro. And the intro kind of was less spur of the moment, you know? Yeah, it was stilted. Yeah. And I never enjoyed it. You did some of them, I did some of them. Yeah. Um, there was times that I had to record it much later because we didn't do it. And I'm like, oh, shit, now i got to do yeah. a, a quick intro. And trying to time it out just right, it was always kind of a pain in the ass. So that was the main impetus of getting rid of it to begin with. So do I really yeah. want to go back? Not really. So I'm leaning towards not having any theme music still. The The benefits. And plus, I think from a listener's point of view, you hear the same music over and over and over again. Yes, yeah. you know, it's, hey, it's the intro to this thing. But I'll give you a prime example. I'm, I'm re-watching um, Voyager. Yep. And I, it's such a good show. It, there was some really stellar episodes, some not so great. But for the most part, it was a really, really good show. It's better than I remember. Let me put it that way. Yep. I always skip the intro. Yeah. Well, most I think most people do. I mean, all the streaming services have that button now which is skip credits and right then they go straight to the show yeah i and think if they, people, have a, if they have the cold open then you watch the cold open and then the skip credits button comes up and you skip yep. the music and same yeah. thing with this show because we're getting right to it there's no you know skipping ahead 15 seconds or 10 seconds or something to get past that intro music that they don't need to hear every single time so yeah but some kind people of, like some people like the familiarity as well. So uh, yeah, well, the know. people that listen to the show aren't familiar with the MyMac theme, probably. Yeah. I mean, some of the listeners on of of Tech Fan were long, long term listeners of the MyMac show, and maybe there yeah. was a bit of nostalgia when they heard me play that on the last episode. They're like, oh, hey, 
So um, I, I think I think what we should do is we should uh, have a shorter period of the music. I think one of the problems with the tech fan, fan theme, whenever I did it, was that the actual natural place for you to kind of fade the music down and start the show. Yeah, it was like felt, 30 felt seconds. Them, yeah, it was too long. Yeah. It was too long for somebody listening to it. So I think we should have maybe five, ten seconds of of music before we start but then as we start talking we should just fade it down and then fade it into the background until it disappears yeah i could i could rework the mimac theme to do exactly that yeah we get rid of the beginning part i think that might be might be worth a try and then we we do have something that identifies the show at the start but uh but it's not too intrusive yeah so with that we're going to wrap up this episode of tech fan we do appreciate you guys listening i've got to uh drive about an hour north there's a at the Ionia Fairgrounds, there's this big thing going on um, with food trucks. There's like 50 food trucks or something up there, and me, Julie, and the kids are going up there and partaking. And I was looking at pictures, and I was like, I'd eat that, I'd eat that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I'd only, I'll only get one thing to eat. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. not like I'm trying everything, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of a long drive just for that. But they'll have you know a craft show going on or something like there's always stuff to buy and we almost never buy anything but even still it's something to do so we're going to yep. do that today um i've i've got to get my house prepped i'm having solar panels installed on wednesday and um because i've not saved saved the planet enough for tim's that's right. happiness this week that's right yeah <laughs> so well I've at least got you got get... solar panels so you can start charging your car oh or never mind <laughs> yeah still use el- quite a lot of electricity as tech fans though yeah uh, I like to see a cost analysis on how much it's going to cost to install the solar panels compared to how much money it's going to save I you will, long term. I will talk about all of that once I've had them installed and yeah. for a bit, so yeah. uh, we can talk about that. The projections I, are positive, but we'll see how it uh, works out. Yeah, I don't know too many projections that are negative that people go, "Hey, I want to do that." <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to you bitching about your solar panels not working and the software glitching okay. and all that shit in the future. It'll be fun. Good. Okay. Great. <laughs> See you next week on Geek's Pub. Bye.